0: Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. Good afternoon, everybody! Best running back in the history of the National Football League. I believe it's 5.2 yards a carry. Played uh, 57 Mm. to 65. One of the uh, just mauled people. Won a championship. And he's our good buddy here. And obviously, you know, Mr. Cleveland Brown, and he says hello. Jim, Christopher Rousseau, pleasure. How are you? Christopher, how are you doing, babe? Nice to have you with us. i want to start with something Good to different. be with you. Oh, good to have you, but you've only been on one time before, so this would be fun. Well, here I am. Uh, <laughs> you are indeed. <laughs> uh, let's start with Dirty Dozen. It's one of the great scenes... Run, Jefferson, run! When you're throwing all those grenades in the top of those little chimney things.
1: Commercial scene. Uh,
0: classic scene. And that was the summer, and you didn't get to camp, and then, of course, you and Modell. But that's one of the great scenes, doing that movie. Telly Savalas, Lee Marvin, Cassavetes, oh, and yeah. you had a big role. Let's talk about that for a sec first. Go ahead.
1: I was the young guy. I was a football player, you know, and they looked at me like they had to take care of me, and I was... I succumbed to that and had a great time doing the film. It was the greatest film I ever did. And, uh, you know, the guys that were on the set were unbelievable, you know, so all I can say are good things about it.
0: That was a great scene, though, because it showed your running ability and you chopping those little uh, grenades. Well, well,
1: you picked up on it because it was very commercial because I was a football player, right? So then, now I can put a thing in my hand and run that's a good point like a football right yeah like I, like i'm on the football field you know so they used, as, they used that they use that as the promo for the
0: movie which i didn't realize that scene with you running back to the set
1: they did well, and I there, they, you, I got, you got shot
0: you got shot at the end right it was right oh, before yeah, you finished they,
1: they, they did this wiggle and hit the cobblestone and slid and then we did it in one take. One take? Well, I wouldn't expect 20. I didn't 20. want to fall. <laughs> I didn't expect 20. <laughs> On that cobble zone, I didn't want to fall. Now, you announced your retirement
0: after the Packer-Brown game, right, in Green Bay? Uh, after you lost the championship game in 65. Were you yeah. going to come back? I know you miss camp and they find you. What was the series, would you have played in 66 if they could have figured it out and let you do the movie and come back late? How'd that work as far as your career is concerned with Cleveland, with the film?
1: You do your homework. Actually, there was an outside chance I would come back if their attitude was correct. But I felt that their attitude was not correct and I knew my contract did not, I would not hurt because of my contract, you know, I was within my rights. And they didn't treat me as if I was in my rights. I'm not complaining about them, but there was an outside chance I would have come back, but I didn't.
0: Yeah, because and I'm I, glad I didn't. You're glad you didn't. So you had played plenty. Uh, you're the greatest lacrosse player of all time. Uh, Manhattan High School back in the early 50s. You love, and Belichick. You know, Belichick loves lacrosse too. You know Belichick. Absolutely. Do I know him?
1: I spent 40 minutes with him last night.
0: Oh, you did? So you know Belichick better than anybody, but you love lacrosse. What what drew you to lacrosse in Long Island in the late 40s, early 50s? It's
1: an indigenous indigenous sport with the Indians on uh, the American shores. Uh, It has a tremendous history. There's a thing called box lacrosse. And I was fortunate enough to be in Syracuse where lacrosse was big. And I took it up, and I would go to the reservations and play with the Indians. And uh, I got a chance to learn about the history and to deal with how important lacrosse was in their history because instead of fighting certain kind of wars, they played a lacrosse game, which I thought was unbelievable. So, And you have to love it to play it because... It wasn't popular, you know, you didn't hear that much about it.
0: So you did not play in high school, Jim? I thought you did. You did not no, play? No, I did play in oh, high school. Oh, you did play in high oh, school. Oh,
1: absolutely. Junior high, too. Junior high, too. Yeah, I had a great background in lacrosse, you know, because I, I went to uh, schools in Manhasset, Long Island. I know that, yep. So that was a hotbed of uh, I lived in Syasset, so I know. Oh, okay. So I, I'm, so I'm familiar you know. with it. Then you know about Sawanika.
0: Oh, I sure do. Yes, yeah, I do. They, I were
1: know. The, they were the cream of the crop at that time. They
0: were always great in lacrosse. So that's I'm right. F- that's why... Uh, that's why, you know, you in Long Island history, you're one of the great lacrosse players of all time. All right, first championship game, 57-7. You and I have discussed that. The Lions beat the Browns, 1957. Yep. You said that game really, it was a, a, it was an alarming defeat. And I don't even think uh, Bobby Lane played in that game for Detroit. And the, and the Brownies in your rookie year got killed. Talk about that for a sec. Go ahead.
1: We're all our heads. <laughs> were you really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, we were over our heads. I think uh, they uh, were better coached and ready to play the game. I don't think we were ready to play that game. Hmm. And uh, it, w- it was one of the poorest performances that uh, a Cleveland Browns team ever had when I was there. And, uh, and I just want to be honest about it. We were never really competitive in the game.
0: Never were. And that's Otto Graham had left, so Otto was not there. Yeah, Otto
1: was not the quarterback.
0: Otto Otto was not there. Uh, You know, it's funny. The next year in 58, we all talk about Colts and Giants in the Classic. The Giants had to beat you guys two times to make sure they got a chance at the Colts. And Summerall makes that unbelievable kick in the snow.
1: That's right. It was 49.
0: 49 yards, whatever it was. Yeah. It reminds you a lot of the Vinatieri kick a few years ago for the uh, for Belichick. You're on a the sideline there at Yankee <laughs> Stadium. It's late in the year. They need to beat you to create the tie. Yeah. And he makes the long kick. What were you thinking mm. about watching that play?
1: That, that was we snake bitten. Snake bitten. Yeah. <laughs> because that, then you played to the next because, week. Because, you know, just to be able to kick that kind of uh, distance at that time, you know, it was almost unheard of and under that kind of pressure so you got to give them credit for it
0: and in the snowstorm that's not fair um you were the feature back for eight years and the best running back in football for eight years and every defense when they played the browns their number one job is to basically pound jim brown and you dealt with that for eight years how'd you do it
1: uh, was it eight years or nine years? Nine
0: years. 57 to 65. It's okay. Yeah, problem. Nine years. I apologize. That's yes. the first mistake you made. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing great. Yeah, I did. I did. But I had the years right. I just didn't add right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Now, what was your question? The question is the pounding you took being the the guy that they had to stop year after year. Feel well, familiar look, on that.
1: A part of your greatness is your ability to be the one that they all want to stop. The ego that it takes to be really good is big. And I like the fact that they thought enough of me to set up special defenses. In fact, before the game, I would trot in front of their bench with the attitude that this is what you're going to have to face, my brother. And so you play football not to get rid of physicality You become a physical fool if you have that kind of attitude. All the great football players I knew, they loved contact. The ones that shied away from contact, they were not, they didn't have the greatness. So if I wanted to play tiddlywinks, I'd be playing tiddlywinks. But I was a mock man because I was good.
0: And you loved the contact. And I
1: loved the contact. I loved the fact that it was, I loved overcoming those defenses. I loved the whole thing because it was like when I walked in a room, sometimes even my own players would give me a certain kind of respect. And respect is a, is a big word, it's a great word, and I knew I was respected by our opponents.
0: Uh, who was uh, Nitsky, Butkus, uh, Joe Schmidt? Give me the guy that linebacker-wise uh, could, good, could give as well as take. You got a guy top Joe of your Smith,
1: head. Detroit. Tough, tough player. Yeah. Now who? I tell you, the celebrity guy who was a good, good football player, and he was in New York, the big market there. Sam, Sam Huff, Huff.
0: Huff, good football player. Yeah.
1: You know that, right?
0: Oh, I sure do.
1: Yeah. yeah Sam uh, was smart. So you got to be careful when you start dealing with the physical part of it because you got to be smart with it. Otherwise, they use it against you. Right. Exactly. Right. You right. know. So. Sam was very bright, and he made it very difficult because he was bright. Interesting. He didn't hit that hard, but he was always in the right spot.
0: Interesting. So, smartest. Did you enjoy running around people or running through people?
1: I enjoyed the results of whatever I did. But I was a physical individual, and I was a person that studied every drop of blood i could find and i wanted to be the guy that you would be afraid to of his physicality and you would be in awe of his mentality so all this i'm with you all this ego stuff well
0: i get it the combination of having brains Mm -hmm. and having a physicality makes you an all-time great that's right 32 is a 32 is a famous number in professional sport you know there's a lot of them but your 32 is a famous number that's going to make you feel pretty good right
1: not really oh it would make me feel good you wore that number with everybody knows that number yeah but see you you know you're a personality and a star on on the radio
0: but i don't have a number jim yeah
1: but so your your attitude comes from your position of power
0: so the number is not you didn't play football no
1: so well, if you played football and you said the same thing, I'd take it differently. All right, all right, I right. understand you what you're my saying. Point. A lot get... of respect for what you do well because I've had fun talking to you in the last three or four minutes. You know, you you, you bring things out. You know, you make it happen, and you have a lot of facts. Now, what was the last question you asked me? <laughs> <laughs> Jim,
0: uh, 64 <laughs> championship game. playing Blanton- yeah. Collier. The Colts are a big favorite. Gary Collins has a huge game. Ooh. And you played you played great too. And now that, did you, yeah, you. I was Shula early in his career. And the Browns, you buried him in that championship game yep. on a cold day in Cleveland. What's your memories of that?
1: I think it was 27 zip. 27 nothing. And no
0: score after the first quarter, I think. I think it was the scoreless oh, first well, quarter.
1: I don't know what happened then, but I know it was 27 zip, And uh, it was a total team effort. Gary Collins had an unbelievable game. Yeah, huge game. Yeah. He was uh, an underrated receiver. He was big. He could catch, catch the ball, and he had a bulldog attitude. And uh, you know, we had uh, Frank Ryan, a good quarterback. Frank Ryan had. Uh, I think Leroy Kelly was a great, another great running back. Paul, he had Paul Warfield, rookie. Right? Yeah, who, who could really catch the ball had great moves. It was like. A beautiful dance, a ballerino on the field. So we surprised them because we did have a great team effort. Everybody did their own special teams, did everything they were supposed to do. And we were like, what, three touchdowns underdog.
0: Uh, You're a huge underdog in the game. Yeah, I
1: thought we could do anything. It was, it was my greatest uh, thrill as far as. Uh, sport,
0: uh, but I have to be win that championship yeah, game. The uh did you love, uh, how about Paul Brown? I, I know that a uh, smart coach, tough guy to deal with sometimes. Then you had Kyle Letter. How about you? And, you came in with Paul Brown. Give me some thoughts on him for a sec. Go ahead. Paul
1: Brown is responsible, in my mind, for helping pro football become what it was. He was uh, an intellectual. He dressed impeccable, in an impeccable way every day, he was a scientist on the field. And he was a leader in so many areas of professional football. And then the other guys caught up with him. And he didn't want to change. Interesting. And so he lost it. But for a while there, he was the reigning genius.
0: In the 50s. Yep. Yeah.
1: And uh, I had a lot of respect for him because he didn't talk to me too much, but he, he would come b- over to me before a game, and he'd whisper in my ear, uh, ah, Jim. We're going to turn the animal loose on him today. The animal was me. (laughs) I didn't take it as a negative, but I took it as I was like a grizzly bear or something that, that he could count on. To run over people and you know
0: and run around them. I mean, some of Jim's... And run around them, uh, The only year that Jim did not win a rushing title, folks, was '62, and Jim Taylor won it. And then uh, you closed in Green Bay on a muddy field, uh, your last NFL game for the championship at 23-12. Was that a winnable football game for the Browns that day, going back to back, or yeah, the we Lombardi's could've. Packers better?
1: Well, Lombardi was a great coach, a great figure in professional football and development of the game. He was a uh, very passionate. Uh, smart, uh, physical type of guy. He was rough. If you played for him, you had to do your job. Because he was definitely going to do his, and he's not going to let you he, step out of line. He would
0: love you, though. You probably had a good relationship with him, right? He well, was, of course,
1: cause we uh, had that respect. That's right. just like Belichick today. You know, when you look at uh, who I respect, I, I, I respect, respect Mr. Belichick as much as I respect anybody in life.
0: He wins, yeah. and he goes about it the right way. But that yeah. championship game, you, you could you have won that game? Your last-ever game in the NFL? Yeah, we
1: could have won it. We got a little soft. The weather, I think, was kind of bad.
0: Yeah, bad, and Horning had a big game.
1: Right? Yeah, Paul had a good, big game. And, uh, and I'll, I'll say this to you honestly. It was a game that I could have done much better than that. But I wasn't thinking on the way I should have been thinking for that game. Oh, really? Yeah, that's that's honest. You know, you're not always doing the right thing, and so I think if I was up to par with the same attitude I had most of the time, I think we could have won it.
0: Well, I saw a little regret. That little regret for you in that championship game in '65.
1: Well, hey, why not? It's it's the truth. I could sit and tell you that I was perfect. Well, that's a lie. But I looked at myself and I was not satisfied with my performance for myself.
0: Uh last thing, let's go back to the Dirty Dozen. I'm fascinated by that. I love the movie. Was Lee Marvin a good guy?
1: Great guy. He was. Great actor, great leader. No one else could have handled a Dirty Dozen like he did.
0: Oh, he was a great commander. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Savalas,
1: good guy? Yeah, Tilly was a good guy, liked, liked to gamble. Oh, he did? Oh. <laughs> Different. <laughs> Different. Um, yeah.
0: uh, how, uh, I'm trying to think who. Uh, Cassavetes. John
1: Cassavetes. Give me a little rundown on him. He's a crazy genius. <laughs> He's like very bright, but always pulling stunts and always thinking. And became a real fine director.
0: Yeah, it was was uh, Bronson in that movie too?
1: Yeah, Charlie Bronson. That was oh. early in his career, right? Give me a little rundown on him. Yeah, if you take a guy and you shape him perfectly, no fat on him, He didn't bend over at all. He didn't say too many words. Most people were afraid of him. (laughs) Not you. Not you. Well, no, because I I understood him, and I know what to do. I stayed away. (laughs) (laughs) How long did it take you to film that movie? We went over uh, our time, and it was about six months, I think.
0: Oh, really? Six months? Yeah. All right, let's talk about... uh Halogen TV uh, and all the good things you do there. Top golf and all those things. Go ahead, fill me in.
1: Well, Top Golf is going to be something we're going to raise some money for American, the American program. That is my charity. Good for you. And uh, it's a educational charity that deals with life management skills, the fundamentals that allow a person to take responsibility for themselves. And it's the charity that I chose because what you wanna do is empower people to take responsibility for their own actions. Too many excuses out there. And so uh, that's mainly what we do, my wife and I. We uh, have relationships across the country. We have a lot of celebrities that work with us. And uh, we deal with a lot of contracts with, you know, the states that we go into. And it's been very successful. A lot of our graduates have gone on to do great things.
0: Top five or six players in the history of football, Rice. Forget the quarterbacks, uh, LT. I guess I got to put Butkus in there, put Peyton in there. You're number
1: one. Well, I thank you. very Now uh, you
0: are, and I didn't even see you play.
1: Well, I thank you very much. But you're
0: you that. you are probably the best player non-quarterback in the history of the National Football
1: League. Well, I'm glad you said. It. I'm glad you said non-quarterback. Because that is a special position, and to say you're better than a quarterback, I can't do that. Would be crazy. I can't. It's not fair. Well, I can't, I can't either. That's why I'm, I'm calling you because
0: you're smart. <laughs> you know? uh, what running back did you enjoy watching play after your career?
1: Oh man, I there's had, a
0: lot of them. Is there one guy that kind of reminded you a little uh, of you, like nah, Peyton? No,
1: nah, you've asked me two questions.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm having fun.
1: No, Peyton was a, a warrior. He was a warrior. He wasn't too large. He fought for every inch. Totally, total soldier. But the guy I liked only played three or four years. That was uh Sears Fun, fun to watch. That long stride that he had, boy, he could cut on a dime after a twelve-foot sprint. You know. And one thing I'd like to say, I'm glad you brought that up. There are no two running backs that's alike. So it's hard to compare them. But what you can do, if you're smart, you can see what each one has that's unique to his ability and the results that he gets when he runs the ball. And we all get along because we know who we are. I have no problem when we get when running backs get together. They give all the respect in the world where they should give it.
0: And Ernie Davis could have been at level too if he didn't get sick. You know who that was, Ernie Davis. Uh, if I don't, I shouldn't be doing talk shows. Of course, well, I you're Ernie doing a hell of a job. Ernie Davis, poor Ernie, you know Davis, Ernie Davis. 62, of leukemia. So drafted by yep. the Browns. Yeah. Glad to see you. Thank you, baby.